Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. As much as I could, I helped to them within everything that I can do. And it would really, really hurt if something went wrong. But I'm telling you, a lot is at stake if I put all of my faith in them. It really is. You've got to know where to put your faith, where to put your faith. And please understand the context in which I'm saying that. Hebrews 11, 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. That is why the enemy wars against us. So much life, it just seems like, man, what else can go wrong? I mean, it's just because the enemy knows that without faith, it is impossible to please him. Now, that's as, as preachers say, you don't need a commentary for that. I'm telling you, that is pure and simple, right in the forehead. You've got to have that. Now, look with me. I'm going to switch over to Exodus right quick. This is Moses. And it's basically, he's at the um, burning bush. In the third chapter, I'm going to take off at um, verse 11. And this is, what this is, is Moses, he's at the burning bush. And I'll just tell you that what I like to, um, before I start to read, this is, We've heard uh, so many times it said where God told him to take off his shoes for the place that thou standeth is holy ground. And I'll give you my version of that. I think God is so good and kind. This is the way I look at that. When Moses is going along and he sees the burning bush and God tells him, this is the way I look at that. This is what I get out of that. He tells him that God told him the the ground that thou standest on is holy ground. So I believe this is the meaning of it to me now. This is just me. I look at the ground as flesh that we came from since we are made from the ground. So God is so holy and so pure. So when God come down and the bush was ignited, the bush wouldn't burn. God is so holy that he... God is so holy that the ground was made holy. And he tells Moses, he said, take off your shoes. So what I believe he's saying to Moses is just this. Moses, literally, I don't want nothing to come between me and you because I have literally made the ground holy. And I don't want nothing to come between my holiness and you. So literally, where your shoes will be the separation point 
take off your shoes. So that's what I get out of that. God is saying through his mercy, don't let nothing separate you from my holiness. So Moses, take off your shoes. His shoes was the only thing. God had literally made the ground holy. And his shoes literally separated him from the holiness of God. So he told him, he said, take off his shoes. So this is when he, God is commissioning Moses to lead the children of Israel. And at this point where I'm fixing to read, Moses is not taking it too good. Verse 11, and Moses said unto God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, certainly I will be with thee. And this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I am come unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. In verse 15. And God said, Moreover unto Moses, Thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, had sent me unto you, and this is my name forever. And this is my memorial unto all generations. He says, you go tell my people that I am that I am has sent me. Now, God gave his name. God gave himself a name. He says, I am that I am. In Hebrew, this just, we would know this means Yahweh. In the English version of Yahweh is Jehovah. And we know that, that God's personal name is when he put it to Abraham, Jehovah Jireh and Jehovah Shalom. We are familiar with that. So God took that and he says, that is my name. Other words, but literally at this, when you look at the context and I am that I am, what it is, God was saying to Moses, I will be a God who is present and active. So we see the cloud by day and the fire by night. God said, I will be with you. Other words, when you camp, when you put my tabernacle up, you put it in the center. I want everyone to have equal access to my temple. God said, I will be there. I will be a God unto thee. I will be. And God said, that will be my name unto all generations. Now, turn with me over. I want, I want to read one other scripture, then I'll move on to um, 1 Peter It's 1 Peter, and we'll start at the 5th uh, fifth, fifth verse. The Bible says it like this. In 1 Peter chapter 1, in the 5th verse, the Bible says, Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice, Though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, that perish, 
though it be tried with fire, that it might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, of Christ, or Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. And verse 9, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Now, the ultimate goal of God's protection for us, literally, you could sum it up like this, is literally the salvation of us, of each individual. That is the purpose. That is why God does everything he does throughout all of our life is literally because this is the way we can only view things. We're only human. We view everything basically from a temporal point of view. And it's literally that I guess we'll always do that because and God does everything from an eternal point of view. So that is why God goes literally to the points and we look at sometimes and we scratch our head and say, why would God do this? Why would God leave heaven, make himself a body, go through all the suffering he did because we can't relate to the eternal. We're just here for a few years. We die and somebody else takes our place. So we judge everything from just a temporal point of view. But God is eternal. He knows, he knows what faces us when we pass away. So everything he does is from an eternal point of view. So the kindness and all the long-suffering, all the forbearing, all the mercy that he shows to us is from an eternal perspective. So that is the reason that he does everything he does. So he knows that without faith, it's impossible to please him. So he, he is the one that's going to help us. And as long as time goes on, Faith is going to be required. Faith is going to be required of us. In other words, we'll never find ourselves at any point in our life, no matter how young or if I can say how old we are. Faith is going to be required in our experience with the Lord. And then literally, and I'll, and I'll say it, God is never going to require something of us that we cannot fulfill. It just, I just don't believe God is that way. I just do not believe God is that way. So when life hits us, and it hits us hard and heavy, and we just find ourselves, you know, we just, I don't know, sometimes we pray and our head hits a pillar and we realize, oh, my Lord. I say I love the Lord, but I, I hadn't even spoke to him none. You know, I hadn't even talked to him today at all. I hadn't even said hello, you know. <laughs> you know, and we tried to talk to the Lord, and he's, you know, like, and what was your name again? <laughs> We're just human. I mean, life hits us, and sometimes it hits us hard. And so and we find ourselves in these situations, and, and you do this, you know, um, we pray, and, you know, I asked you at the beginning, why do you pray? And, I mean, and sometimes we just pray out of guilt, you know, if you just allow me to say it. I won't talk about you. I'll talk about me. We just pray out of guilt, or if I'm praying because it's the right thing to do, you know, I, I know I should pray, you know. You know, I'm just wore out. My mind is gone. I'm just too many things is on it right now, but I just, I know I should pray, so let's pray, you know. God knows us. He knows the frame of mind we're in. 
And I'm not saying God doesn't hear us. But I'm saying with everything that's in me, we can't stay like that. We get in them situations, but we can't stay in them situations. We have to get out of that situation. We, we cannot stay in that. I mean, once in a while, sure, we're going to find that. We're going to find ourselves. The Bible plainly tells us God has given to every man the measure of faith. And, you know, I've never fully researched that. I just look at that as God given us when we're born the ability to believe. That's just me. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. You don't have to take that. That's just the way I look at it. That's just me. God has given to every man the measure of faith. So I believe every person, I don't care who they are, what they look like, what color they are, they have the ability to believe in God. So they have the ability to believe. That's why some people was, you know, they believe somebody that would never serve God. They come in and God fills them with the Holy Ghost and they act like they're shocked. We really shouldn't be shocked. I mean, God, God has given to every man the measure of faith. So we have this. So when we find our faith weak, some people have said, yeah, but you don't know what I'm going through. And that truly could be the case. I mean, we're not doubting people gets in awful situations. They find themselves in severe trials that they get in. And so my answer to that is this, besides that beeping going on, is every man was given the measure of faith. And when life hits us as life will, when we truly have been knocked to our knees and we feel like life has drained our faith out of us. Now, turn with me to Galatians. Galatians um, fifth chapter talking about the fruit of the spirit this is one of the things in Galatians 5 I'm sure you can quote this by heart but this is here again it's just pure mercy but the fruit of the Spirit is, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Now, I think it was when Brother Boyd broke these down years ago and spoke on this. I was just sitting at the house, and I've said before, it's one of the things I truly believe, that you should not speed read the Bible. If you are reading through the Bible, I mean, if you do that, that's... that's Please, that's your business. There, and if you're just reading the Bible, to be reading the Bible. But I'm saying when God directs you to a passage, you should meditate on it. And so I'm just sitting this, and I value the whole Bible, but phrases like, against such there is no law, as simple as that is, phrases like that is ones that just latch on to me. And when he was teaching that, I was at the house, and I was just here again. I'm locked in a bedroom, and it's just like the Lord just, as simple as this sounds, God just opened my mind, and I'm thinking, against such, there is no law. 
And it's just like all of a sudden, just like you'd cut a switch on it, just said a, a law has one purpose, and that is to define a limit. And I says, man, if I'm weak in any one of these, there is no limit. So faith is listed in these. So when my faith, somebody, life has punched holes all in me, and my faith is literally drained out, then all I got to do is go to God and say, God, this word which will not lie says against such there is no law. There is no limit on how much faith I can receive. So God, I'm asking you to repair the holes that's in me and restore the faith that I know that has been taken from me because your word says without faith it is impossible. In other words, I will beat my head against the wall if I let faith drain out of me and I still go on, come to church, and just act like I'm just doing everything I know to be doing. But I don't have no faith. I'm just like Paul says. I'm just like a boxer beating the air. I'm just going through the motions. When I got the Bible that says, all the, it lists all of these attributes that I could have. And then he says, against such, there is no law. Against such, I would say, if I had to put a commentary on it, you read these. And if you feel yourself lacking in any one of these, against such, there is no limit to what God would do for these. So when we do find ourselves weak, look at these. Now the Bible tells us, and I want to speak plain here. The Bible's in 2 Kings chapter 4. The Bible gives us a story of, this, of Elisha and the Shunammite woman. And it tells us, you can read this. I'm not going to read from it, but it's in 2 Kings chapter 4. This lady, when the prophet started coming by, we see, now when you read this story, the burden was more or less burst from the woman. The man was like, you know, I hate to call him a typical husband, but he's just like, well, whatever. You know, I want to build a room, whatever. You know, you're going to have a child, whatever. The child's dead. You want to go to the preacher, whatever. Maybe he wasn't that calloused about it. But the burden is from the woman. So we see, she tells her husband, you know, we have this man, and I sense he's a man of God. So we, let's build him a room. And I'm not going to go through the whole story. But she takes and she does a lot for Elisha. And in the end, we see that Elisha says, you know, we should give her something in return. So she's promised a son. And now I'm telling you, I said all that just to say this. When you see the sincerity this woman has for the ministry you see just how sensitive. It's like going to the doctor and he said, where does it hurt, where does it hurt? And you know, and you're a man and he hits his point and you have to grab your hand because you're fixing to deck him. But Elisha, Elisha says, you know, about this time next year, you're going to have a son. And 
And son, I'm telling you, he hit the tender spot. So you can read in the passage where she says, wait a minute. Don't you lie to me. You done hit an area that is way too sensitive to me. Way too sensitive to me to tell this. Now, I really and truly believe that she was promised this child. She had the child, and the child died, the Bible says. Now, this, I think, is where we really can have problems. We really, as Christians, we can say, how, literally, how can this happen? And I really believe. I said, I mean, you just, you trust me. I just didn't start, start coming to church here. I believe literally we really can have issues in situations like this. This is speaking of a dead son, but you could apply it to any situation. We really can have situations. She was promised a son. I mean, literally by a man that you didn't cross. Elisha. You didn't look him in the eye and backtalk him. Somebody had plant you in the ground. I mean, this man had boldness. So when he says you're going to have a son, I don't care if her husband was 300 years old. You're going to have a son. So she had a son, but then the child died. And so the issues we have with it, if God promises, why is the child dead? God, why would you let this happen? Now, here takes wisdom. Here takes wisdom. Because I'm telling you, the enemy will come in, and I'm telling you, he'll punch you so full of holes that he'll drain the life out of you. You say your God is good. He is. I'm telling you, your God is so cruel to promise you something. And I'm telling you, she loved that child so much. It said the child was grown. She held that child in her arms, and that's where that baby died. I'm calling it a baby, but it was a full-grown man. The Bible says, and he was grown. She held him, and that's where that young man died, is in her arms. Now, Brother Boyd, I think, mentioned this Wednesday night. Uh, she said that when she was asked, it, she said, all is well. Now, the Bible tells us what she said. It does not tell us what she thought. And I'm not trying to plant seeds by no way. But all I'm saying is we really can get crossed up in situations like this. And I'm telling you, when we find ourselves in situations like, God, I really can't put an answer on this. I'm telling you, if... I know God is real. I know God authored this. I know it's right. Then how can it go so wrong? We just find ourselves in situations, just look and say, how can it go so wrong? How can it go so wrong? So she took and she went back to where it all started. She went back to the ministry and the son did come back. But I'm telling you this, this is truly where we can find ourselves in tough situations. And the enemy will war against our mind and he'll do his best to try to trip us up and to drain our faith 
We cannot give in to that. We cannot give in to that. The lady, as Brother Boyd mentioned, the lady, if you asked her, she said, all is well. But I will stand here and look at you in the eye and tell you, this hurt. This hurt. I'm telling you, this hurt. It hurt, it hurt, it hurt. And this lady, we have got to do we don't have the answers to every situation. I wish I could just stand you, stand here and tell you I have the answer to this. There, we are going to have situations. This is where we just have to have enough faith to realize that God is in control. And just no matter what comes, it's just do not let the enemy use this to be our downfall. Because I know God ordained this in this lady. Now, what I want to finish with, I'll start ending with this. Turn with me to Mark 5. Mark the 5th chapter. This is one I felt impressed to to share and it's, it was quite a few scriptures but I'll just condense it um, now when you come to church preachers has said for a long time they've literally been speaking and just said had stopped their self and some I've heard literally stop and say I really don't know why I said that and I'm sure there's been people out of congregations that's left that really didn't believe him. That thought, you know what? He was probably just trying to make somebody feel better. You know, just saying that somebody there, you know, he's speaking to one person and trying to make somebody feel better or something. Which, if you read the Bible, you'll know not to believe that. But in the Bible, in Mark 5, Jesus where he raises Jairus' daughter and there's this woman and I'll just condense it and say it like this. She has been sick for 12 years and the Bible tells us in Mark here where Jesus is being thronged. There's a bunch of people following him and the disciples is with him and they're going and I can just see it in my mind. Here's Jesus. The word's spread abroad and everybody's just basically just wanting to be closed basically they're just wanting to see the Lord or, or see a miracle or maybe they want to receive a miracle so here's this lady the Bible says she's basically spent all she's had and she is wanting to be healed so she said if I can just get close enough to touch him in verse 30 I'll just read verse 30 and Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him and turned about into the press and said, now this is my point. He asked a question that only one person had the answer to. One person. Now he is in a crowd of people. One person. One person. Who touched my clothes? The Bible tells us he's being thronged. He's being mobbed, as we would say in modern English. And he turns around and stops. And I would say, and I would say, and 
in our modern term, his disciples, the church didn't even know. Then disciples says, thou seest a multitude thronging thee, and thou sayest, who touched me? And they're, they're just like, yeah, look around you. You got people all over you. But the one person that produced the faith, because in verse 34, he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and, and be whole of thy plague. Now, you got some people, I'm sure, that would be so pharisaical about it. Said, You know, we know her. She spent all her money. Let her go somewhere else. You got the self-righteous bunch say we knew she'd show up sometime. But you got the Lord that asked the question that even the church didn't even know. So the next time the preacher says, I don't know why I just said that. Somebody, one person knows why he just said it. So I'm telling you, don't never doubt. Don't never doubt. Because that's why it said, I just wish there was something when we come through the doors that could, could just wash life off of us. But life comes in with us. But just bring your faith with you. So when you come in, now I'll end where I begin. Turn with me back to Hebrews. And I'll just want to, I'll give you my version of why do, you, why do you pray. The Bible tells it like this. But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a reward of them that diligently seek him. Why do you pray? Why do you pray? I was looking at this verse, and it says it like this, but without faith it is impossible to please him. And I've said, and I'll say again, that's why the enemy fights us so hard. And if life can beat us down and drain us of our faith, Without faith, it's impossible to please him. That's self-explanatory. And then it says, And for he that cometh to God must believe that he is. So that's why I read back to Moses. He said, You go tell my people, I am that I am. I am present and I am active. No matter where I find myself at in any situations, I may, it may look as bleak as it can be, God has not left me. He knows where I am. God is active in the situation. It may look as I am abandoned. I am just let go. That is not the case. God said, I am that I am. He is here. He is present. He knows what's going on. He knows where we're at. And then he said, look at the next phrase. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him now what I've always done here's another thing I've just sitting at the house and the way I've always looked at this I have always looked at this after the fact the Bible says and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him look at it in natural terms I have my father here if my father has given me a present or rewarded me that I am grateful. Thank you for that gift that I was given from my father. I am grateful. 
uh, of the hope that's put within me because my Father has blessed me. And I believe God is saying it this way. God in his mercy is saying it like this. He says, read it. Now, now look at the context in which this is, this is stated. Number one, without faith, it is impossible to please him. Now, then it explains it two times. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, number two, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. See, I've always come after the fact believing God is a rewarder. God is saying, I believe. All I want you to do is take this hope that you have and just bring it with you before you pray. When you come to pray, believe within yourself Have the faith within yourself to believe that I'm the rewarder. But I hadn't been blessed yet. But God is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Because I've always looked at this verse after the fact. Take this. God said, you take this before the fact. Other words, you have enough faith in me to believe. Before before your knees hit the ground, have enough faith to believe that I am your rewarder. For he says... I am the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Other words, don't stand. Other words, if you've asked God for something, don't stand and be thankful after the fact. I'm saying before you ever receive it, you stand with an appreciation. You stand with a hope, with a thanksgiving, because God says he is the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. The enemy knows that if he can war against our faith, and, and just destroy our faith and knock our faith down. He knows it's impossible to please him. But God in his mercy and says, if you would just do this. And if you would just bring this hope with you. Because I am. I am the rewarder of those that diligently seek me. Hallelujah. God bless you. Let's stand in Jesus' name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.